0: It's beautiful, it's got my mind on you, and everywhere I turn is a reminder
1: Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with Worldwide Impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Hey, Deacon Denny called y'all a bunch of phonies this morning. I loved it, too. No, he did. He did. He said, you know, every time every the the everything starts around here, we're all hugging each other. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. And we're dying inside. And that's the truth. Amen. So what he's saying is, you don't have to do that up in here. Just I come in. How you doing? I want to kill my children. You know, just admit it. Just admit it. Stop lying. We don't have to lie to each other. We don't have to be superficial with each other. Amen. Amen. All right. That's because that's, this is Barah Ministries. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Well, who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. To all those who say, well, nowhere in my Bible does it say that Jesus Christ is God, let's take a look at one of the many places. The Lord, God the Son, Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah, speaks to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. It's worthy to note, that the Jews wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. And it was not common for Jewish men to speak to women in a public setting, especially if they were strangers. So this woman was quite surprised to be engaged in a very lengthy, quite intimate conversation with Jesus, who told her all about her situation. That she had been married five times and then she was living with somebody. (laughs) It's like, can you imagine that? Hey man, I just came to get water, right? I didn't need all the extra stuff. Wow. But Jesus laid it on on her in John chapter four. So the woman was quite surprised about everything that Jesus said to her. Jesus told her many things and among them, What he said in John chapter 4, verses 25 and 26 was the most stunning. The woman at the well said to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ, and when that one comes, he will explain all things to us about what is to come. Now, what she was really saying is that she was a student of the Pentateuch, which is the Jewish Torah, Penta is five, and the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and that's the part of the Bible that the Jewish race concentrates on. They call it the Torah. And she knew that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, but she thought that he was going to be a guy like Moses. She thought he was just going to be another teacher, he was just going to be another prophet, but not that he was going to be God himself. Well, she was shocked to find out in John chapter 4, verse 26, when Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Lord, God the Son. I am Jesus the Christ. I am the Jewish Messiah. Yes, Jesus Christ declared himself to be God. The Lord, God the Son, the Messiah in human form. John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word, Holagos, the Lord, God the Son, became flesh. Jesus, the Christ, the Jewish Messiah. And he lived among us. And we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten one from the source of God the Father, full of grace and full of truth. At Barah Ministries, we think Jesus is telling the truth about himself, because there are only two options here. He was telling the truth, or he was lying, and we think he was telling the truth. He is indeed the sovereign God of the universe. Now, why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord. and we make a difference by teaching the Word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. Barah Ministries exists for the benefit of Christians, those who want a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord through the study of his word. Why bother studying the word of God? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, The word of God is alive. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is sharp, like a two-edged sword, the makairah, the best weapon ever, because you could slash this way and cut You could slash back and cut, and you could pierce with the point, sharp like a two-edged sword. The Word of God is piercing, even going as far as dividing the soul and the spirit. Not many places will you hear that. People think that we have a body and a soul, but we actually have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And the Bible is one of the places, probably the only place, but one of the places where that is made absolutely clear that there is body, soul, and spirit. Both joints and marrow, the things that hold everything together, the Word of God holds everything together just like the joints and the marrow. And the Word of God is a critic of thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. We study the Word of God because it illuminates the right thoughts, and indicts harmful thoughts. Well, here's a question for reflection. What do you do when you hear something in a Barah Ministries lesson that you don't agree with? What do you do when you hear something in a Barah Ministries lesson that refutes something you've been taught in the past? What do you do when you hear something in Ministries, in a Barah Ministries lesson that conflicts with your beliefs? I'll tell you exactly what you do. You temporarily forget what the Bible has to say. It's 2 Peter 2, verses 1-3. to It says this, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. False teachers who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. And the Greek word says, bringing it along side by side with the truth. There's no greater way to neutralize the truth than to bring a lie right side by side with it. So vividly put in the Greek, even denying the master who brought them to earth, rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, their creator, bringing swift spiritual destruction upon themselves. It's easy to forget that we are easily deceived by the pleasant personalities of the teacher, So we believe false teachers, people who are denying the master who brought them. See, that's one of the things that's so great about me as a pastor. You don't have to worry about a pleasing personality, amen? Because I don't have one. And as a matter of fact, if I don't offend you in the first 15 minutes of the lesson, you are either well-taught or oblivious. You see, because the truth offends people. Amen? The truth offends people. I'm not here to mollycoddle anybody. I'm not here to make people comfortable. I'm here to tell you the truth. And if that truth conflicts with the crap that you got going in your head, you need to examine it. And here's what you need to examine. Why did you believe lies? That's what you need to check out. You know, the people that I was engaged with in systematic theology, uh, you know, Pastor Farley and I, they they describe us as people who have crept over into the darkness. (laughs) We've crept over into the darkness. We're on the dark side. Okay. Yeah, maybe we are. But I'll tell you this. I absolutely know who the guy is that I pray to. I know him. They don't. They don't know the guy that they're teaching about, and they don't know the guy that they're praying to. Because if you think that the guy that we pray to is conditional in his love toward us, you are out of your mind. If you think that the guy we pray to is not forgiving and didn't forgive all your sins at the cross, you are crazy. Amen? absolutely lunatic. And if you don't understand the difference between immorality, morality, and grace, you don't belong in a church. You need to be right out there in the world where that game is being played, and you will be totally comfortable in the right-wrong game. Go play it. Don't come in here, because some of that stuff you got might rub off on us. Yeah, you. We don't want it. So that's what we're talking about here. These teachers that bring spiritual destruction upon themselves. 2 Peter 2.2. 2. Many will follow their sensuality. What's meant by sensuality? Their shameful and destructive teachings. And because of false prophets and false teachers, the way of the truth will be maligned. What does that mean? When you bring in a lie next to the truth, you turn people off to the truth. And let me tell you this. You know, when I knew that my kids were old enough to hear the truth and to know what I was talking about? From the moment they were born, that's when. Kids are not stupid. They know the difference between truth and lies. And they have choices, just like adults do. And they make those choices. And their choices are clear. So they don't get a pass in my book. They don't get till they're 21 to show up. They show up now. They show up when they're born. They, they tell you unequivocally that they have a choice when they cry. They tell you, I choose to make you uncomfortable until you get me a bottle, until you wipe my butt. Amen? Amen. Yeah, and we think, oh, let them be kids. They're just kids. They don't know. They absolutely know. They are the human. They are human video recorders watching everything you do and assessing it and critiquing it. So, look. So, and and kids listen to false teachers too. They listen to liars. They listen to people who are teaching them the wrong way. And believe me, they like that better. They like the people who are teaching them what to do that's wrong and bad. They don't like the people who are teaching them the right stuff. Amen? They don't. They want that crap because they want to be like everybody else because they don't have their own brain. When you want to be like everybody else, it means you don't have your own brain. But God gave you a brain and he wants you to use it. 2 Peter two three. And in their greed, which is a desire to use you for their disruptive ends, they will exploit you with, I love this expression in the Greek, fabricated words. Fabricated. They make up words. They make up teachings. They make up doctrines. There was a doctrine in systematic theology called rebound. Made up. Nowhere in the Bible. All based on a single Bible verse. A single Bible verse. There is nothing in the Bible that's based on a single Bible verse. Amen? Amen. Now, one thing. But that's what false teachers do. They're always cutting out stuff from the context and then using it to make their stupid points. All right, so what, why, why am I bothering talking about this? Because first I wanted you to know Jesus Christ is God. Then I wanted you to know why we study the Word. Why do we study the Word? So we can flush out false teachers and their false teaching so that we can reject it. That's why. What must you do instead? You say, I hear what you've said, Pastor. Then you ask yourself, what does the Bible have to say? I heard what the pastor said, but now what does the Bible have to say? And we implore you to always compare what you learn, both at Barah Ministries and in the world, with what the Bible says. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11 remind us. They say this, the brethren at Thessalonica immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Why? Why? Because they were being attacked. They were being attacked for teaching the truth. And they were making a lot of traction. There were a lot of Jews who were starting to believe that Jesus is the Christ. And so they started getting attacked. So the brethren, the believers in Christ at Thessalonica, sneaked them away. And when Paul and Silas arrived in Berea, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Acts 17:11. Put it up. Now, these Berean Jewish believers were more noble-minded than those believers in Thessalonica, for they received the word of God with great eagerness, but they were examining the scriptures daily to see if what these things Paul and Silas were saying were true. Comparing what you learn with what the Bible has to say. is not just an invitation. It's a responsibility for believers in Christ. I love when visitors come to Barah Ministries. Love it. Because they come in and they get enamored with my voice and enamored with my personality. But the, what they're really doing is sitting there waiting for the first thing that I say that they don't agree with so they can run they can run back into their phone. They can run back into their houses. They can run back into their comfort zone where they can live in their delusion. Amen? That's not what you want. You come here to put yourself in front of the mirror of the Word of God every day. And here's what happens, what has happened to me over the years, as I put myself in In front of the mirror of the word of God every day, I find out exactly what kind of person I am. And Galatians 6.3 explains it. It says, if a man thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I am not deceived about who I am. You can't be. If you sit and study the Bible every single day, it will show you exactly who you are. And if you want to lie to yourself, if you want to think that you somehow have the power in your natural being to change that, that you somehow have the power in your natural being to be righteous, you are a psycho. You don't. Thanks be to God, though. That's what Paul says 30 years into his New Testament ministry. The things I'm doing, I don't even understand. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm practicing the very things that I hate. Who's going to free me from the body of this death? Me, myself. Is that what he said? Oh, he didn't say that. He said, thanks be to God, the father through our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. They will free me from the body of this death. So we're not, we're not fooling ourselves here at Barah Ministries. We're not thinking we're something we're not. And that's why we don't have a lot of people in here. Because there aren't too many people who want to hear that. There aren't too many people who want to know who they really are. We don't want to hear that. We want people to tell us, you're acting like a jerk, but it's fine. Because everything you do is just fine. It isn't. God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 19 says, We believers in Christ know that we are possessions of God the Father. And we also know that the whole world lies in the power of Satan, the evil one. So when you sin when you make a mistake, Satan wants you to obsess about the sin. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel shame. He wants you to feel remorse. He wants you to feel embarrassment. Because Satan wants to focus your attention on your sins so that you take your focus off of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 8, Paul tells us how to handle those who sin. He says, I urge you to reaffirm your unconditional love for him. Who was he talking about? Paul was talking about the man who had sex with his mother-in-law in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Satan, on the other hand, keeps on accusing us when we make mistakes. He lures us into making the mistake, and then he accuses us for making the mistake. I love the introduction to Barah Ministries. You know why? Because it's offensive. Because we chase off all the pretenders every week right away. Jesus Christ is God. His word has no errors in it. It's a critic of thoughts and intents of the heart. And God has an enemy, Satan, who's out to fool you. And he's successful at it. And you want to believe his crap. Now, let's learn some Bible. Every week. The truth. Every week. Amen? Amen. Today's Bible lesson, choosing your teachers matters, especially in your spiritual life. Choosing your teachers matters, and especially in your spiritual life. Well, in one of the greatest songs of all time, within one of the greatest movies of all time, the Scottish singer Lulu Kennedy Cairns sings to her teacher in To Sir With Love. She says, "Those schoolgirl days of telling tales and biting nails are gone." I misspelled tales there. Uh, yeah, we're not we're not singing it right now. All right, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Go ahead. You want to finish? Go ahead. I'll, I'll wait. It brought back memories. I it brings back memories for me every time too. But you didn't hear me singing it, did you? All right, if you insist, I'll sing it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You would not insist on that. Anyway, back to this. Those schoolgirl days of telling tales and biting nails are gone. But in my mind, I know they will live on and on. But how do you thank someone who is taking you from crayons to perfume? it isn't easy, but I'll try. That's what the Apostle Paul has done in 1 Corinthians. He's taken them from crayons to perfume. He's taken them from baby believers to, okay, maybe you have a chance, by addressing a lot of the problems that are going on in the Corinthian church. Why? Because great teachers are great assets in our lives. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest teachers of all time, and in studying 1 Corinthians, we have seen him take them from rivalries and divisions to clarity about their faith. In today's lesson, we begin our study of the final chapter of 1 Corinthians as a great teacher winds up his great teaching to a set of new believers. All right, well, let's hear some music. In John chapter 4, verse 19, the Samaritan woman that I spoke of earlier said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, generally speaking if somebody tells you about your whole life, they're probably they probably got some prophecy going on. That is one of the great understatements of all time. Here's June Murphy to tell us her story in the song Come See a Man. Jim, you need to get your boy to cut that track one octave lower. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You remember when you used to get that octave? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can't get that no more. You know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Look, I cannot play basketball like I used to play basketball. I'm can't. i I'm embarrassed that I take a basketball and throw it up. It's just horrible. But that's just what it is. I mean, I I don't sing like I used to. I used to be, I used to sing solo in Glee Club. Solo, Solo, nobody could hear me. (laughs) Anyway, that's a good idea that I just gave you, so you should probably check that out. Let us pray. (laughs) (laughs) We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for caring about every aspect of our lives. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for demonstrating your unconditional love for us by sending your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die for the sins of the whole world, especially the sins of your believers. And thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to guide us into all the truth, especially today as we study the Word of God. As a teacher, you are amazing to us for the way you have planned and executed a wonderful and perfect life for each one of us. Father, help us to know you. Show us how to think, how to act, how to give, how to parent, how to lead, and how to love as you would. Change us from the inside out so that we are a reflection of your word and your will. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, choosing your teachers matters, especially in your spiritual life. Choosing your teachers matters, and especially in your spiritual life. Where we're on the final few lessons of a 20-month journey that we began September 29th, 2019, the study of Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. And as you know, Paul, one of the greatest teachers of all time, founded the church at Corinth around 50 AD, as was detailed in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. Here's what it says. It says, after these latest things on his second missionary journey, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Why does he leave any place? Because he's getting attacked. That's why, because he is stirring up trouble by telling the truth. Acts 18, verse 2. And Paul found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, a region that is in modern-day eastern Turkey, bordering Iran, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius, the Roman emperor at the time, had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. So Paul came to them. Acts eighteen three and because he was of the same trade as they were, tent making, he stayed with Aquila and Priscilla, and they were working together, for by trade they were tent makers. So Paul decided to stay in Corinth because he could make some money, and since he was not being supported by the churches that he had founded, he was not being supported by them financially, he had to work. And so what did he do? He made tents. Acts 18.4. Paul was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks concerning Christ as the Messiah. Acts 18.5. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself exclusively to the Word instead of to tent-making, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. That's how it always happens that a pastor needs people to support him so that he can dedicate full time to teaching. If a pastor has to work, he can't dedicate full time to teaching. It's just the way it is. So these brothers, Silas and Timothy, came down to work so that Paul could eat and he could simultaneously dedicate himself to his work, Acts 18.6. But when the Jews resisted and blasphemed, which means continuing to reject Christ as their Messiah, Paul shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean, and from now on I will go to the Gentiles. See, that's one of the things I really admire about Paul. You know, when you're black and you grow up in the ghetto, and you want to get out, what everybody will say to you, you know, what they said to me was, hey, man, you talk like a white boy. Okay, what an insult to black people, as if we can't speak the king's English. And that if we do speak the king's English, then we're talking like a white person instead of talking like ourselves. And then the the next thing always... Right behind it is, man, you forgot where you came from. That's like telling Jesus Christ that he doesn't have holes in his hands and a piercing in his side and holes in his feet. And they didn't hang from the cross. You can't forget that. Because growing up in the ghetto leaves scars. Amen? And the scar is you're always afraid afraid of everything. And I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine recently. I said, it took me 50 years, 55 years to abandon, to, to reject the whole idea that my motivation had to come from being afraid. My whole approach to life was anti-goals. What do you want to do, Rory? Well, I don't really know, but I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to be like my brothers and sisters and I don't want to be like my mom and I don't want to be what kind of father do you want to be? I I don't know, but I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to leave his wife, the woman he got pregnant 30 days after they got married. Don't want to do that. Had anti-goals. Took me a long time to get to the point where I decided what I want to do. So, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, which is one of the cruel and inhumane tricks that God plays on people, right? He sends you to the very people you hate because Paul killed Gentiles the first half of his life. So what did the Lord say? Hey, you know what? You'd be perfect. (laughs) You'd be perfect to teach the Gentiles the mystery doctrine of the church. Paul said, seriously, right now? But... Paul, whenever he went to an area, would always go back to his roots. The first thing he would do is go to the Jews. Why? Because he was a Jew. And he went back to the Jews, and he would try to convince them, man, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Let me show you in the Old Testament scriptures all that you should see. And what would they do? they beat him up, try to kill him, throw him out. But he still kept going back to him every single time. And, you know, Jesus is up in heaven going, oh, God. Is he going to go back there and get a beating again? Because Jesus would get Italian on it. They're going to throw him a beating. (laughs) And he just kept going back. Why? Because he didn't forget where he came from. You know why? Because you can't. You can't forget where you came from when you come from nothing. You can't forget it. You wish you could get it out of your head. I still have dreams of walking in this one street in the neighborhood, and all the people are, are, all the guys are standing around, all the hoodlums are standing around, and they're not paying attention to anything. And then as soon as I walk in, they all start circling me and trapping me so I can't get out. And then I see it because I have these ghetto instincts and I see it and I start running. But it's sort of like this, you know, that running you do where you can't really run, you know, and your feet really won't move. Yeah, <laughs> it's sort of like Zach running. Yeah, exactly like that. And then it took me till I was 63 years old to figure out that this was a dream, and I could just pull out a gun and shoot him in the face. So I just started pulling out a gun and shooting him in the face. Now, that didn't stop them from coming, but it sure did wake me up right away before I got arrested. Amen? Because I think there's a rule that if you get arrested in one of your dreams, then you're arrested in real life, and then I didn't want to go to jail because I have to come here and teach you every week. Amen? All right. You know, you're all sitting there looking at me like you don't have those dreams, right? You have those dreams, some recurring dream of terror. The only thing that gets rid of that is the word of God, honestly. All right, so back to Acts chapter 18, verse 7. Then Paul left the synagogue (coughs) and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Conveniently, you know, God didn't set that up. That was just a coincidence. Acts eighteen eight, and Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized as Christians. Acts 18.9, And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, and this was the time when the canon of Scripture was not completed, so God communicated with people in theophanies, in visions, in dreams. He came to Paul by night in the vision, saying, Don't be afraid any longer, but keep on preaching and do not be silent. Acts 18.10, For I, the Lord, am with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Acts 18, 11. So Paul settled in Corinth for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. So that was his founding of the Corinthian church. Now, you know, just as a little side note. How come God can't come to me in a vision and tell me not to be afraid? Amen? Because he, do no he don't do that no more. I know, but that's not right. Yes, yeah, he, uh, he does. He tells us he he that's right. <laughs> that's right. He sent God the Holy Spirit, the helper, to take me into the word and say, "Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. Surely I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness." So Paul trained up the believers in Corinth over 18 months, and when he left to go to Ephesus, they got lost. When Paul hears reports that the church is lost and that they had questions, he follows the advice he gave to his protege, Timothy. In Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes all of his letters to preach the word, being ready in season and out of season to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort with great patience and with great instruction. Now, I'm sure those of you who have been on the entire 20-month journey into Corinth will agree that Paul has done a masterful job handling some pretty touchy issues among the believers in Corinth, issues we face every day over 2,000 years later, issues concerning our sex lives, our social contacts, our forms of worship, our legal dealings, our divisions, and our rivalries. Today, we'll begin study of a section of the final chapter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. Here's the structure of the last chapter. In section 1, which extends from verses 1 to 12, verses 1 to 4 are instructions for the collection for the saints. Verses 5 to 9 give Paul's travel itinerary. Itinerary, which is always kind of a joke because God's always changing his itinerary. Verses 10 and 11, notice about Timothy. Verse 12, and notice about Apollos, a couple of the brothers. Now let's begin our study of the first 12 verses by just looking at the whole the whole section, and then we'll go study it verse by verse. First Corinthians 16, 1 Corinthians 16.1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the Church of Galat- churches of Galatia, so you are to do as well. 1 Corinthians 16.2 On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections need to be made when I come. 1 Corinthians 16.3 When I arrive, whomever you approve, I will send them with letters to take your gift to Jerusalem. 1 Corinthians 16.4 And if it is appropriate for me to go also, they will go with me. Here's the next part. 1 Corinthians 16:5 But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia for I am going through Macedonia and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I go next. 1 Corinthians 16:7 For I don't want to see you now just in passing. I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. 1 Corinthians 16:8 But I will remain in Ephesus until pentecost 1 Corinthians 16:9 for a wide door for effective service is open to me and there are many adversaries 1 Corinthians 16:10 now if Timothy comes see that he has no reason to be afraid while among you for he is doing the lord's work as i also am 1 Corinthians 16:11 so do not look down on him anyone but send him on his way in peace so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brothers. First Corinthians sixteen twelve. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly encouraged him to come to you with the brothers, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has the opportunity. So that's the passage that we're going to be studying, <clears throat> or that's the section of the passage we're going to be studying. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering. And then we'll study this section of the final passage of 1 Corinthians, verse by verse. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever
2: chose me Has always been a mystery On my life I've been told I belong At the end of the line With all the other not quite With all the never get it right to nobody, trying to tell everybody, all about somebody who saved my soul, ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing, I'm living for the world to see, nobody but Jesus, I'm living for the world to see. had stage fright and David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Well the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose. So when I hear that devil start talking to me saying who do you think you are? I say I'm just a nobody. trying to tell you all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world.
0: For the world to see Nobody but you
1: today's Bible lesson, Choosing Your Teachers Matters, especially in your spiritual life. Choosing your teachers matters, especially in your spiritual life. If it is not said enough times from this pulpit, we really appreciate your generosity during offering time. Thank you. You've made it possible for the work of this church to continue uninterrupted over the last two years during one of the most difficult times in our lifetime. That is no small feat and one that we have really not stopped to acknowledge. Thank you. Here's what King David has to say about generosity in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14. David asks, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as you do, O God, for all things come from you? And we have only given back to you in the offering the things that have come from your hand. Thank you. Every contribution you make to Barah Ministries encourages us, and especially me, to keep on fighting the good fight of faith. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages.
3: Who do you think it is? (laughs) Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church. We're a place for real people who want to listen to a real pastor, teach the real truth from the Word of God. And, you know, we're here also because Barah is a place for positivity. Barah is a place away from the negativity of the world. And it's funny because, you know, every day is a new day. It's a new horizon, but it doesn't always feel like that. You know, <clears throat> I'm a leader in my family. I'm a leader at work. And I'm a leader at church. <clears throat> but I'm also another thing. I'm a leader in the community because I'm an ambassador to Christ. But sometimes, you know, the amalgam of all those things, you don't, you're not real positive yourself. You know, you got your family. You tell your kids, go wash your hands. It's kind of, you know, you've got to be a little crazy to let your kids wash their hands without being there at least a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, but you tell them to go wash their hands, and you just hope that it's not all water everywhere when you you go in the bathroom, but of course you get in there, it's covered in water. I don't even know how they get water some places that they get water. Soap's on the ground, soap's in the sink, but they don't do their best, you know, and you go to work, and then you're at work, and you go to use the restroom, and the toilet paper rolls out. Like, come on, man, can you just do that one little thing for me? Or some food you had in the fridge is gone. You know, it's like having roommates, some food you wanted, they're gone. You know, just a lot of negativity, a lot of things that kind of chip you down, and and then at church, you know, there's there's trouble here too. You know, you got some people that eat, and it looks like they were raised by wolves. You know, and it's 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 hard to deal with sometimes. And you got some people, I'm sorry, that that just don't. They, you know, they forget. There's other people that forget to shower and they don't wear deodorant, and and that's that's a struggle. You know, you got people raised by cavemen. So I mean. There's a lot of things that are hard to deal with in life, and it's hard, to, you know, it's hard to want to be positive to some of these people, to some of the crazy people in our lives, whether it's in our family, at work, or in church. But, you know, God loves all these people. You know? So it's really pretty simple in life. It's the, what we have to do to just in situations is do our best. But it's not always easy. You know, you, like, another example is you pull into a, a grocery store, and you see a spot way up there. Oh, sweet. And you pull up, and there's two carts in there. So what do you do? you got to get out, yeah, or a motorcycle, but more so a cart. Because somebody couldn't walk the extra five minutes and push their cart back. So now there's a cart in the way. If they had to put their cart back, it would help, you know, put it in the stack. And then when it goes up to the front, there's a fresh stack for everybody. Now it helps everybody, right, if you put your cart back. But people don't do that. It's just a lot of negativity, a lot of things they don't do. And so it's, it's hard to, you know... It's hard to just deal with all these things, you know. We need to, be have, we need to have positivity in our lives every day, and, we, and having positivity is, is something that we struggle with. But, so how do we do it, right? How do we do it? We have to live for God. But how do you live for God? I thought of an acronym for the systematic theology people that are still listening. GULF, G-U-L-F, grace, unconditional love, and forgiveness. The pastor was close with his love of golf, but it's GULF. Grace, unconditional love, and forgiveness. So that's how we have to live in these situations, you know. Push your cart back. Have a little grace. Put it back. You know, unconditional love. Forgive people at work for doing the silly things. Just put the toilet paper in. Don't be negative. Why go back at them and make it a thing? Some people get vindictive. They want to get revenge, you know. It's like traffic. People want to get back at people, you know. So it's just easy. Just golf. Just do that, you know. Just live for God and not the crazy people. Because we know... You want more proof? Let's look at the Bible, Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-three through twenty-four. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it's from the Lord that you will receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ. It is the Lord Christ who you, assume, or who you serve. It's Christ who we serve in those situations. So when nobody's looking and the kids are slapping water everywhere because they don't care, they don't know that Christ sees it. And, you know, when we're at work and we don't put the roll back on, Christ sees it. But, you know, like we need to live like Christ is seeing it, right? You know, we need to live, you know, when we're eating everywhere, let's eat over our plate. That goes for kids and for Zach. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Where's my throat there? Uh, but, I mean, we just need positivity, honestly, you know? And if, and if we can do those things for everybody on a daily basis, living for God instead of for people, it's really going to help everybody. Because there's so much negativity in life from all these things. We all have it. I, I, like Pastor said, we greet each other. Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. But we all have stuff we're struggling with. We all have things that are maddening you know, this week or whatever, or that's pending in our future. So let's just help each other when we're here. This is a point of Brown Ministries. That's why we give. We're not giving to people. We're giving to the Lord. We're giving to the Lord of the offering. This is worshiping what he's already given, given to us. So let's just remember to be thankful for what we have, thankful for this ministry, and thankful for Pastor Rory and his ability to just keep going forward. So thank you very much. Oops.
0: Have you been praying and you still have no answers? Have you been pouring out your heart for so many years? Have you been hoping Would have changed by now Have you cried all the faith you have Through so many tears Don't forget the things that he has done before And remember he can do it all once more It's like the brightest
1: Thanks for the great offering message Deacon Denny and we'll continue today's Bible lesson choosing your teachers matters especially in your spiritual life choosing your teachers matters especially in your spiritual life now let's take a look at the things that Paul is communicating in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verses 1 to 12 1 Corinthians 16:1 Now concerning the collection for the saints just as I directed the churches of Galatia in handling the collection So you are to handle it that way as well. In this letter, you'll remember that whenever you see Paul using the term now concerning, as he is in two verses in this section, as he is answering the problems he's been asked about by Chloe's people, which prompted the drafting of the entire letter to the Corinthians. So whenever you see now concerning, he's addressing something that he was specifically asked to address by Chloe's people. Now, as a reminder for them about the collections, verse 2, 1 Corinthians sixteen two. On the first day of every week, right after you get paid, each of you is to put aside money and to save up for giving as he has been prospered by God. What does that mean? It means you make your own decision about how much you put aside so that no collections need to be made when I come. For most of us pastors, we wish we didn't have to handle the business end of the church. Most pastors aren't good at that part of the ministry. You happen to have a pastor who is good at that part of the ministry, but I don't like it any more than other pastors like it. I know how to use our funds effectively. I know how to get them to grow. I know how to keep us afloat. I know how to negotiate contracts. I have that business acumen but I don't necessarily want to be using it in the church, but somebody's got to do it. Quite often, ministry funds are mishandled. Well, Paul is a planner, and he is ensuring that this collection for poor Jewish believers in Jerusalem is handled by the believers at Corinth with the autonomy they deserve as givers, giving voluntarily, always voluntarily, and never under compulsion. Paul continues first Corinthians chapter sixteen verse three When I arrive, whomever you have approved to handle the collection, I will send them with letters of introduction to carry your gift to Jerusalem. First Corinthians sixteen four. And if it is appropriate for me to go to Jerusalem also, they will go with me. A funny thing about this collection that we don't think of, Paul couldn't call Brinks to handle the safe transport of the collection money. The money was in cash, not electronic bank transfer, so it had to be transported by people who were vulnerable, people who could be beaten and robbed along the journey. In addition, they couldn't just hop in their cars and drive money to Jerusalem. Corinth is 850 air miles from Jerusalem. They couldn't fly. So can you imagine how difficult it was to do this simple task back in that day? To collect money, to transport it safely without losing a penny, 850 miles, and you've got to walk. Next, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 5, Paul details his upcoming travel plans. And You didn't have to just walk, you could take a boat too, but only during certain times of the year. First Corinthians, now Paul is detailing his travel plans. One of the things that hit me as I was going through the first four verses is, look, if you're listening to Barah Ministries, give to Barah Ministries. That's the way it is. And there are a lot of people who listen to Barah Ministries but don't give to Barah Ministries. Give to Barah Ministries. What's the problem? And, and I'm saying that not because we need the money, but because of what profits to your account when you give. And you should examine that. Why is it that so many of us as believers in Christ have let Satan pervert giving? Oh, if you give, somebody's going to misuse it. Well, you know, take care of Visa first and your church last. That's not God's philosophy about stuff. But look, it's voluntary. See, you you don't see me up here coercing you. You don't see me up here telling you to tie the tenth of your salary, and if you don't, God's going to send you straight to hell. But those messages seem to work better. There's a whole church, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. You've got to give 10% of your money. In Germany, when you get paid, they take 10% out of your check for the church immediately. This taken now, and, you, and you can reverse it. You can go to them and say, "Yeah, I don't want to do that. I'm an atheist, so please give me my money back." But the, the bureaucracy to get that done, man, you don't even—you you won't even believe it. They make it so inconvenient to get it done that most people just say, "Hell," oh, well, they just take it. But you're not going to see me up here coercing you. But in the inner recesses of my mind, I'm thinking, what is what is the basic thing that's in your way from doing that? What is it? It's never been easier. You can go on the app. You can go on the website. You can mail it. Right? What is it? Oh, yeah. we We don't have faith that God put it there in the first place, and then he'll put much more back. We don't have the faith. It's pretty funny. Now, I've given millions of dollars to churches that I'm associated with. Okay, so understand some, <laughs> understand how hard that is for a ghetto boy. Amen? And I've seen the misuse of those funds, too. And every once in a while, it creeps into your head like, God, if I had just kept that for myself, if I had just hoarded it, imagine all the 10% that I could have gotten over the years. Or imagine if, if that had been used properly. It could have paid off the church that I was, I was affiliated with. But the pastor didn't, didn't, doesn't particularly have financial acumen. And it's up to us to know that. All right, now let's move on to Paul's travel plan, starting in verse 5. 1 Corinthians sixteen five. But I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. 1 Corinthians sixteen six. And perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter with you, so that you may send me on my way wherever I go next. Paul wants to spend some extended time with the Corinthians because he knows it's necessary. Yet quite often, God changed his travel plans. Many uh, in the first century church considered Paul to be flighty because of that, because of his frequent change in travel plans. But perhaps they didn't consider how dangerous it was to travel at the time, even though they knew how dangerous it was. Paul continues, 1 Corinthians sixteen seven: For I did not want to see you now just in passing, For I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. There's the key. Thy will be done. Why were Paul's travel plans changing? Because he always made travel plans, and a lot of times they weren't in line with what the Lord wanted him to do. Why? Because he wanted to, well, first I'm going to go to Jerusalem. No, Paul, you are not going to Jerusalem. You're going to get killed if you go to Jerusalem. The Jews do not like you anymore. You are now teaching the goy. You're teaching the Gentiles. So quite often God changed Paul's travel plans to keep him alive. And if that appeared flighty to human beings, so be it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. And Pentecost was a festival, a 50-day festival. Penta is the Greek root for five or 50. So he will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, which what he was really saying is till Memorial Day in American parlance. Uh, He was waiting for summer. Why? Because there were a lot of storms in the winter that made boat travel either difficult or impossible. You could get killed. with a T. 1 Corinthians sixteen nine. For a wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Travel by ship was difficult or impossible in the winter, so Paul was waiting for an opportune time to travel. But Paul closes this section with a few words about the servants of God. 1 Corinthians Now, if Timothy comes, maybe he will and maybe he won't. That if is a third class condition, if in the Greek. See to it that he has no reason to be afraid while among you, for he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. This was a reminder to the Corinthians that the emissaries that come to them from Paul are just like Paul. They're doing the Lord's work. Translation, don't shoot the messenger. See, quite often if people had a problem with Paul, they would take it out on the people he sent. Timothy is described throughout the New Testament as a man of delicate sensibilities. What does that mean? He was a man raised by women. He wasn't that tough. So Paul was ensuring that his man was not mistreated. 1 Corinthians 16:11. So do not look down on him. Don't mistreat him. Anyone. But send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brothers. Paul was expecting them to equip Timothy for travel, just as they did Paul. They would have to give some money, they would take a collection, give some money, or give food or something that helped with the passage. In Paul's case, it wasn't money quite often. Finally, another request from Chloe's people to end this particular section, First. Corinthians 16:12. There are those two words that cue uh, that this came from Chloe's people in the Greek parade. Parade. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly encouraged him to come to you with the brothers, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when the opportunity presents itself. Now you know you might wonder why uh, Apollos might not want to come. Well. It's hard to know why, but you do remember this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10-13, to I'll bet. I, Paul, exhort you, fellow believers in Christ at Corinth, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no rivalries among you. Instead, that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same purpose. 1 Corinthians 1.11, For I, Paul, have been informed concerning you, my brethren, in the church at Corinth, by Chloe's people that there are rivalries among you. First Corinthians 1:12. Now, what I Paul mean by that is that each one of you is saying, I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos, and I belong to Cephas, Simon Peter, and I belong to Christ. First Corinthians 1:13. Has Christ been divided into component parts? Paul wasn't crucified for your sake, was he? You weren't baptized in the name of Paul, were you? So maybe Apollos didn't want to come because he didn't want to stir up that whole rivalry thing again. We will never know until we get to heaven and we ask him. But God provides us with great teachers. Are you seeking them out? Or are you learning everything on your own? People who want to do it on their own are idiots. Why would you want to do it on your own when you can get somebody to help? That cuts 10 years off the learning curve, 20 years off the learning curve. You get somebody to help. Tap into the wisdom of the people around you. Since no one does anything on his own, it's important to select teachers who lead you into all the truth. And Thanks be to God for the Apostle Paul and his excellent work with the 1st Century Corinthians. The closing moments of our study today are dedicated to anyone who doesn't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is for you to make the most important decision of your life, the decision for or against the Christ. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, wants a relationship with you. And he sends evangelists to you to bring you the good news concerning what he did to save you at the cross. Unfortunately for you, God has an enemy who sends evangelists to you as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 say this, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. When a person evangelizes to you, they are guiding you to a gospel message for your consideration. They know they can't convert you, although the pressure you experience from them might feel like that's exactly what they want to do. They're giving you facts, though, for you to consider, and you have to determine whether those facts are true or false. For example, if you've ever had Jehovah Witnesses come to your door, they are evangelizing to you. If you've ever had members of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints come to your door, they are evangelizing to you. Unfortunately, Both of those groups are inviting you to share eternity with them in the lake of fire because neither of these groups believe that Jesus Christ is God. They are evangelizing with a false gospel message about a false God. I have family members who are part of one of these religions, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and in spite of my best evangelism efforts, my family members don't want to hear a thing that God has to say to them through me. Many parents are leading their children to a destiny in the lake of fire. If you want to assess whether or not you're a good parent, just ask yourself a simple question. Are you influencing your children to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe? God the Father has a plan to get you to heaven. Jesus. He is the only way to get to heaven, according to John fourteen six. It says, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the gospel message, the word of God. And I am the resurrection life, eternal life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven but through believing in me. If a gospel message makes it sound like you have to work to get to heaven, it is a false gospel message. Romans chapter 11, verse 6 says we don't have to work to be saved. It says if salvation is by grace, a free gift from God, and of course it is, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace as a free gift is no longer grace. It's not free. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 says you can't work for salvation. Now to the one who works for salvation. His wage for his work is not credited to his account as a favor from the grace of God, but his wage is credited as what is due for the work. Unfortunately, your hardest work is not perfect enough to earn you a spot in heaven. Well, what can you do instead of working for salvation? Acts chapter sixteen thirty one says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. John chapter 3, verse 36 warns, he who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. John chapter 3, verse 17 highlights Jesus's mission. God the Father did not send God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to judge the world, but God the Father sent God the Son into the world, that the world might be saved through him. Who is this God that saves you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. I, Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance the gospel message I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scriptures. Take the free gift of eternal life right now. There is no time to waste. God wants you. And if you want to go to heaven when you close your eyes in this life, simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Well, let's close with some music. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, hear June Murphy tell us in song how great you are.
4: set me apart you finish what you start you alone can change my heart you hold time in your hands you were before time began no one can change your plans your absolute truth forever stands how great great you are, the Godhead! How great you are and well in dwelling Trinity! How great, you are. How great you are! How great you are! How great you are!
1: Don't need any octave changes in that one. <laughs> That was awesome. Thank you, June. Let's close with words of worship for Almighty God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your path straight. Psalm 46, 1. For God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help. In times of trouble, Isaiah forty thirteen. those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for filling us with your word. We thank you for giving us your plan, your protection, and your presence and your provision that makes our life meaningful and worthwhile. And we pray that as we go out into the world this week, armed with this information that you've given us, that we're able to make a difference with every person we meet, one person at a time. We also ask you, Father, to heal our hurts, because we're hurting deeply in many areas of our lives. And you know what those hurts are that we talk about in the secret conversations with you. And we just pray that as you give us this tribulation, that you help us to put it into perspective, that it's you taking us to the spiritual gymnasium and preparing us for the great things you have to come, because you always save the best things in our lives for last. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.